BestBookBits.com brings you the book summary of The Master Key System by Charles F. Hannell. The Master Key System is a personal development book by Charles F. Hannell, 1866 to 1949, that was originally published as a 24-week correspondence course in 1912, and then in book form in 1916. The ideas it describes and explains comes mostly from the New Thought philosophy. It was one of the main sources of inspiration for Rhonda Byrne's film and book, The Secret, 2006. Part 1. The World Within Harmony in the world within means the ability to control our thoughts. It is through the subconscious that we are connected with the universal mind and brought into relation with the infinite constructive forces of the universe. Our future is entirely within our control. The ability of the individual to think is his ability to act on the universal and bring it into manifestation. Mind is static energy. Thought is dynamic energy. The two phases of the same thing. Thought is therefore the vibratory force formed by converting static mind into dynamic mind. Every thought therefore is cause and every condition an effect. For this reason, it is absolutely essential that you control your thoughts so as to bring forth only desirable conditions. The world within is the cause, the world without the effect. To change the effect, you must change the cause. Part 2. Law of Attraction our difficulties are largely due to confused ideas and ignorance of our true interest. The great task is to discover the laws of nature to which we are to adjust ourselves. Clear thinking and moral insight are therefore of incalculable value. All processes, even those of thought, rest on solid foundations. Conscious Mind Perceiving and operating through the five physical senses, the conscious mind deals with the impressions and objects of the outward life. Subconscious Mind the subconscious mind does not engage in the process of providing. It relies upon the conscious mind, the watchman at the gate, to guard it from mistaken impressions. Receiving any suggestions as true, the subconscious mind at once proceeds to act thereon in whole domain of its tremendous field of work. Mind is the master weaver, both of the interior garment of character and the outer garment of circumstance. Before we jump into chapter 3, if you want this summary in PDF format, click the link below and I'll email this straight to you. Back with the book summary. Part 3, The Universal Mind. Mental resources eliminate any possible tendency to complain of conditions as they have been or as they are. The subconscious mind cannot argue. It only acts. It accepts the conclusions of the objective mind as final. Solar plexus is a central point of distribution for the energy. The energy is being distributed by very real nerves to all parts of the body. If this radiation is sufficiently strong, the person is called magnetic. Thoughts become things. Non-resistant thought expands the solar plexus. Pleasant thought expands it. Unpleasant thoughts contract it. It is our attitude of mind toward life which determines the experience with which we are to meet. Our knowledge of our ability to consciously radiate health, strength and harmony will bring us into a realization that there is nothing to fear because we are in touch with infinite strength. We are simply to say what you desire, not how you are to obtain it. Part 4. We are all connected. Most people allow their thoughts to dwell on selfish purposes, the inevitable result of an infantile mind. When a mind becomes mature, it understands the germ of defeat is in every selfish thought. The trained mind knows that every transaction must benefit every person who is any way connected with the transaction. And any attempt to profit by the weakness, ignorance or necessity of another will inevitably operate to his disadvantage. 
This is because the individual is part of the universal. A part cannot antagonize any other part, but on the contrary, the welfare of each part depends upon a recognition of the interest of the whole. You can be, do and have what you want. If you make up your mind to do something, do it. Let nothing, no one, interfere. The I in you has determined. The thing is settled. The die is cast. There is no longer any argument. The more we give, the more we shall get. The universal is constantly seeking to express itself, to be of service, and it seeks to channel whereby it can find the greatest activity. In order to express power, abundance, or any other constructive purpose, the emotions must be called upon to give feeling to the thought so that it will take form. Part 5. Mental House Cleaning Matter is powerless, passive, inert. Mind is force, energy, power. Mind shapes and controls matter. You can originate thought, and since thoughts are creative, you can create for yourself the things you desire. At least 90% of our mental life is subconscious. Power is contagion upon a proper use of power already in our possession. Part 6. Power of Concentration The greatest good to the greatest number. Harmony. Ambition, desire, and harmonious relations constantly and persistently maintained will accomplish results. The greatest hindrance is erroneous and fixed ideas. To be in tune with external truth, we must possess poise and harmony within. Power of concentration. Every thought sets the brain cells in action. At first, the substance upon which the thought is directed fails to respond. But if the thought is sufficiently refined and concentrated, the substance finally yields and expresses perfectly. Growth follows knowledge. Action follows inspiration. Opportunity follows perception. Always the spiritual first, then the transformation. The two great sources of human suffering at present are bodily disease and mental anxiety. Master Key System Part 7 Steps to Manifestation This part we talk about steps to manifest your desires. The first step is idolization. Then comes the process of visualization. Earnest desire will bring about confident expectation, and this in turn must be reinforced by firm demand. Make the world within beautiful and opulent, and the world without will express and manifest the condition which you have within. Concentrate on the things you want, not on the things you do not want. Visualize the condition which the law of abundance creates. This will result in manifestations. Life is impartial. We are too anxious. We manifest anxiety, fear, distress. We want to do something. We want to help. We are like a child who has planted a seed and every 15 minutes goes and stirs up the earth to see if it is growing. Of course, under such circumstances, the seed will never germinate, and yet this is exactly what many of us do in the mental world. Master Key System Part 8 Imagination Successful men make it their business to hold ideas of the conditions which they wish to realize. They constantly hold in mind the next step necessary to the ideal for which they are striving. Thoughts are the materials with which they build, and the imagination is their mental workshop. Mind is ever-moving force with which they secure the persons and circumstances necessary to build their success structure, and imagination is the matrix in which all great things are fashioned. It no longer exists. It is now only a thought existing in the brain of the architect. Part 9. Creativity. Before we jump into part 9, just want to say thank you for watching and listening over the years. We've done over 600 book summaries, and if you want to support Best Book Bits, you can download our top 150 Best Book Bits summaries in PDF, 2,500 pages, 50 hours of video, and 50 hours of audio. Click the link below to grab a copy. Back to the summary. 
Part 9, Certainty. Hold in mind the conditions desired. Affirm it as it already exists in fact. This indicates the value of a powerful affirmation. By constant repetition, it becomes a part of ourselves. We are actually changing ourselves. We are making ourselves what we want to be. Act is the bottom of thought and conditions the result of action and joy or suffering will be the reward. Visualization is the mechanism of the attachment which you require. If you require love, try to realize that the only way to get love is by giving it. That the more you give, the more you will get. And the only way in which you can give it is to fill yourself with it until you become a magnet. If we send out thoughts of fear, worry, jealousy, anger, hate, etc., we will reap the results in our own lives. Part 10. Strengthen your visualization. The universal mind can only be dependent upon to find ways and means to bring in about any necessary manifestation. We must, however, create the ideal, and this ideal should be perfect. Wisdom, strength, courage, and all harmonious conditions are the result of power, and we have seen that all power is from within. Likewise, every lack, limitation, or adverse circumstance is the result of weakness, and weakness is simply an absence of power. The remedy then is simply to develop power. It is developed by exercise. Abundance will not come to you out of the sky, neither will it drop into your lap. But a conscious realization of the law of attraction and the intention to bring it into operation for a certain definite and specific purpose and the will to carry out this purpose will bring about the materialization of your desire by a natural law of transferness. When any object or purpose is clearly held in thought, its precipitation in tangible and visible form is merely a question of time. The vision always proceeds and itself determines the realization. Part 11. Believe that you get what you ask. What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Part 12. Power of Concentrated Thought The time and thought which most people waste in aimless effort would accomplish wonders if properly directed with some special object in view. Unless you can concentrate upon the object which you have in view, you will have but a hazy, indifferent, vague, and indistinct and blurred outline of your ideal, and the results will be in accordance with your mental picture. You must first have the knowledge of your power, second, the courage to dare, third, the faith to do. Part 13, happiness, giving, and oneness. If we can be truly happy, we shall have everything the world can give. If we are happy ourselves, we can make others happy. But we cannot be happy unless we have health, strength, congenial friends, pleasant environment, sufficient supply not only to take care of our necessities, but to provide for those comforts and luxuries to which we are entitled. We will get exactly what we give, but we shall have to give it first. It will then return to us manifold, and the giving is simply a mental process. Because thoughts are causes and conditions are effects, therefore in giving thoughts of courage, inspiration, health and help of any kind, we are setting courses in motion which will bring about their effect. Thought is a spiritual activity and is therefore creative. But make no mistake, thought will create nothing unless it is consciously, systematically, and constructively directed. And herein is the difference between ideal thinking, which is simply a dissipation of effort, and constructive thinking, which means practically unlimited achievement. A happy thought cannot exist in an unhappy consciousness. Therefore, the consciousness must change, and as the consciousness changes, 
all conditions necessary to meet the change consciousness must gradually change in order to meet the requirements of the new situation. Increase in me that wisdom which discovery my truest interest, strengthen my resolution to perform that which wisdom dictates. Franklin. Part 14. Clear thought is power. Just as the least pressure of the atmosphere causes an action on the part of the weather vane, so does the least thought entertained by the conscious mind produce within your subconscious mind action in exact proportion to the depth of feeling characterizing the thought and intensity with which the thought is indulged. The thought must be clear-cut, steady, fixed, definite, unchangeable. You cannot take one step toward and two-step backward. Neither you can spend 20 or 30 years of your life building up negative conditions as a result of negative thoughts and then expect to see them all melt away as a result of 15 or 20 minutes of right thinking. This discipline, this change of thought, this mental attitude will not only bring you the material things which are necessary for your highest and best welfare, but will bring health and harmonious conditions generally. Part 15, Insight. We cannot obtain what we lack if we tenaciously cling to what we have. We are able to consciously control our conditions as we come to sense the purpose of what we attract and are able to extract from each experience only what we require for our further growth. Our ability to do this determines the degree of harmony or happiness we attain. Difficulties and obstacles will continue to come until we absorb their wisdom and gather from them the essentials of further growth. It is love which imparts vitality to thought and thus enables it to germinate. The first form which thought will find is language or words. This determines the importance of words. They are the first manifestation of thought. They take hold on the ether and by setting in motion reproduce the thought to others in the form of sound. Thought may lead to action of any kind, but whatever the action, it is simply the thought attempting to express itself in visible form. It is evident, therefore, that if we wish desirable conditions, we must afford to entertain only desirable thoughts. This leads to the inevitable conclusion that if we wish to express abundance in our lives, we can afford to think abundance only. And, as words are only thoughts taking form, we must be especially careful to use nothing but constructive and harmonious language which will finally crystallize into objective forms, will prove to our advantage. We cannot escape from the pictures we incessantly photograph on the mind. And this photography of erroneous conceptions is exactly what is being done by the use of words. When we use any form of language which is not identified with our welfare. Words are thoughts and are therefore an invisible and invincible power which will finally objectify themselves in the form they are given. In the physical world there is a law of compensation which is that the appearance of any given amount of energy elsewhere means the disappearance of the same amount somewhere else. And so we find that we can get only what we give. If we pledge ourselves to a certain action, we must be prepared to assume the responsibility for the development of that action. The subconscious cannot reason. It takes us at our word. We have asked for something. We are now to receive it. We have made our bed. We are now to lie in it. The die has been cast. The threads will carry out the pattern we have made. For this reason, insight must be exercised so that the thought with which we entertain contains no mental, moral, or physical germ which we do not wish objectified in our lives. Insight is a faculty of the mind whereby we are enabled to examine facts and conditions at long range, a kind of human telescope. 
It enables us to understand the difficulties as well as the possibilities in any undertaking. Insight is therefore absolutely essential for the development of any great achievement. But with it, we must enter, explore, and possess any mental field. Part 16, Law of Periodicity. Everything that lives has periods of birth, growth, fruitage, and decline. These periods are governed by the septimal law. The law of sevens governs the days of the week, the phases of the moon, the harmonies of sound, light, heat, electricity, magnetism, atomic structure. It governs the life of individuals and of nations, and it dominates the activities of the commercial world. Life is growth, and growth is change. Each seven years period takes us into a new cycle. The first seven years is the period of infancy. The next seven of the period of childhood, representing the beginning of individual responsibility. The next seven represents the period of adolescence. The fourth period marks the attainment of full growth. The fifth period is the constructive period, where men begin to acquire property, possessions, a home, and a family. The next, from 35 to 42, is a period of reactions and changes, and this in turn is followed by a period of reconstruction, adjustment, and recuperation, so as to be ready for a new cycle of sevens, beginning with the 50th year. Those familiar with these cycles will not be disturbed when things seem to go wrong, but can apply the principle outlined in these lessons with the full assurance that a higher law will inevitably control all other laws, and that through an understanding and consciousness operation of spiritual laws, we can convert every seemingly difficulty into a blessing. When we consider the small addition made by wealth to the happiness of the possessor, we find that the true value consists not in its utility, but in its exchange. This exchange value makes it a medium for securing the things of real value whereby our ideals may be realized. Wealth should then never be desired as an end, but simply as a means of accomplishing an end. Success is contagion upon a higher ideal than the mere accumulation of riches, and he who aspires to such success must formulate an ideal for which he is willing to strive. With such an ideal in mind, the ways and means can and will be provided, but the mistake must not be made of substituting the means for the end. There must be a definite fixed purpose, an ideal. The power to create depends entirely upon spiritual power. There are three steps, idealization, visualization, and materialization. The successful businessman is more often than not an idolist who is ever striving for higher and higher standards. The subtle forces of thought as they are crystallized in our daily moods, is what constitutes life. Whatever enters the mind through the senses or the objective mind will impress the mind and result in a mental image which will become a pattern for the creative energies. These experiences are largely the result of environment, chance, past thinking, and other forms of negative thought, and must be subjected to careful analysis before being entertained. On the other hand, we can form our own mental image through our own interior processes of thought regardless of the thoughts of others, regardless of exterior conditions, regardless of environment of every kind. And it is by the exercise of this power that we can control our own destiny, body, mind, and soul. How then are we to control thought? What is the process? To think is to create a thought, but the result of the thought will depend upon its form, its quality, and its vitality. The form will depend upon the mental image from which it emanates. This will depend upon the depth of the impression, the predominance of the idea, the clarity of the vision, the boldness of the image. The quality depends upon its substance, 
and this depends upon the material of which the mind is composed. If this material has been woven from the thoughts of vigor, strength, courage, determination, the thought will possess these qualities. And finally, the vitality depends upon the feelings with which the thought is impregnated. If the thought is constructive, it will possess vitality, it will have life, it will grow, develop, expand, it will be creative, it will attract to itself everything necessary for its complete development. If the thought is destructive, it will have within itself the germ of its own dissolution. It will die, but in the process of dying, it will bring sickness, disease, and every other form of discord. If you desire to visualize a different environment, the process is simply to hold the ideal in mind until your vision has been made real. Give no thought to persons, places of things. These have no place in the absolute. The environment you desire will contain everything necessary. The right person and the right things will come at the right time and in the right place. It is sometimes not plain how character, ability, attainment, achievement, environment, and destiny can be controlled through the power of visualization. But this is an exact scientific fact. It will thus be seen that the natural laws work in a perfectly natural and harmonious manner. Everything seems to just happen. If you want any evidence of this fact, simply compare results of your efforts in your own life when your actions were prompted by high ideals and when you had selfish or ulterior motives in mind. You would need no further evidence. If you wish to bring about the realizations of any desire, form a mental picture of success in your mind. By consciously visualizing your desire, in this way, you'll be compelling success. You'll be externalizing it in your life by scientific methods. The psychologists have come to the conclusion that there is but one sense, the sense of feeling, and that all other senses are but modifications of this one sense. This being true, we know why feeling is the very foundation head of power, why the emotions so easily overcome the intellect, and why we must put feelings into our thought if we wish results. Thought and feeling is the irresistible combination. Visualization must, of course, be directed by the will. We are to visualize exactly what we want. We must be careful not to let the imagination run riot. Imagination is a good servant, but a poor master. And unless it is controlled, it may easily lead us into all kinds of speculations and conclusions which have no basis or foundations of fact whatsoever. Every kind of plausible opinion is liable to be accepted without any analytical examination, and the inevitable result is mental chaos. Exercise. Bring yourself to a realization of the important fact that harmony and happiness are states of consciousness and do not depend upon the possession of things. That things are effects and come as a consequence of correct mental states. So that if we desire material possession of any kind, our chief concern should be to acquire the mental attitude which will bring about the result desired. This mental attitude is brought about by a realization of our spiritual nature and our unity with the universal mind, which is the substance of all things. This realization will bring about everything which is necessary for our complete enjoyment. This is scientific or correct thinking. When we succeed in bringing about this mental attitude in a comparatively easy to realize our desire as in an already accomplished fact. When we can do this, we shall have found the truth which makes us free from every lack or limitation of any kind. Your life becomes your dominant thought. Your life becomes your dominant thought. We worship a God of love in theory, but in practice we make for ourselves graven images of wealth, power, fashion, custom, and conventionality. We concentrate on them and they are thereby externalized in our lives. The student who masters will 
not mistake the symbols for the reality. He will be interested in causes rather than effects. He will concentrate on the realities of life and will then not be disappointed in the results. We are accustomed to look upon the universe with a lens of five senses. And from these experiences, our conceptions originate. But true conceptions are only secured by spiritual insight. This insight requires a quickening of the vibrations of the mind and is only secured when the mind is continuously concentrated in a given direction. Continuous concentration means an even, unbroken flow of thought and is a result of patient, persistent, preserving and well-regulated system. Be so interested in your thought, so engrossed in your subject as to be conscious of nothing else. Such concentration leads to intuitive perception and immediate insight into the nature of the object concentrated upon. All knowledge is a result of concentration of this kind. It is thus that the secrets of heaven and earth have been wrested. It is thus that the mind becomes a magnet and the desire to know draws the knowledge, irresistibly attracts it, makes it its own. Desire is largely subconscious. Conscious desire rarely realizes its object. The subconscious mind may be aroused and brought into action in any direction and made to serve for any purpose by concentration. The practice of concentration requires the control of physical average person has no conception of meaning of concentration. There is always the cry to have, but never the cry to be. They fail to understand that they cannot have one without the other. Weakness is the only barrier to mental attainment. Attribute your, attribute your weakness to physical limitations or mental uncertainties and try again. Ease and perfection are gained by repetition. Ease and perfection are gained by repetition. All mental discovery and attainment are the result of desire plus concentration. Desire is the strongest mode of action. The more persistent the desire, the more authoritative the revelation. Desire added to concentration will wretch any secret from nature. The intensity of one moment's earnest and concentration and intense longing to become and to attain may take you further than the years of slow, normal, and forced effort. It will unfasten the prison bars of unbelief, weakness, impotence, and self-belittlement, and you will come into realization of the joy of overcoming. The spirit of intuitive and originality is developed through persistence and continuity of mental effort. Business teaches the value of concentration and encourages decision of character. It develops practical insight and weakness of conclusion. All of us are dynamos, but the dynamo of itself is nothing. The mind must work the dynamo. Then it is useful and its energy can be definitely concentrated. As food absorbed in the essence of the body, so the mind absorbs the object of its attention, gives it life and being. Intuition often comes with a suddenness that is startling. It reveals the truth for which we are searching, so directly that it seems to come from a higher power. Intuition can be cultivated and developed. In order to do this, it must be recognized and appreciated. If the intuitive visitor is given a royal welcome when it comes, he will come again. The more cordial the welcome, the more frequent his visits will become. But if he is ignored or neglected, he will make his visits few and far apart. Intuition is superior to reason because it does not depend upon experience or memory and frequently brings about the solution to our problems by methods concerning which we are not in entire ignorance. Every obstacle conquered every victory gained will give you more faith in your power. You will have greater ability to win. 
Your strength is determined by your mental attitude. If this attitude is one of success, it is permanently held with an unswerving purpose. You will attract to you from the invisible domain of things you silently demand. Premature wealth or position cannot be retained because it has not been earned. We get only what we give, and those who try to get without giving always find the law of compensation is relentlessly bringing about an exact equilibrium. Part 18 of the Master Key System, Individualization of the Universal Intelligence. Thoughts of abundance will respond only to similar thoughts. The wealth of the individual is seen to be what he inherently is. Affluence within is found to be the secret of attraction for affluence without. The ability to produce is found to be the real source of wealth of the individual. It is for this reason that he who has his heart in his work is certain to meet with unbound success. He will give and continually give, and the more he gives, the more he will receive. What do the great financiers of Wall Street, the captains of industry, the statesmen, the great corporation attorneys, the inventors, the physicians, the authors, what do each of these contribute to the sum of human happiness but the power of their thought? Thought is the energy which the law of attraction is brought into operation, which eventually manifests in abundance. Attention has been held to be the distinguishing mark of genius. The cultivation of attention depends upon practice. The incentive of attention is interest. The greater the interest, the greater the attention. The greater the attention, the greater the interest, action and reaction. Begin by paying attention. Before long, you will have aroused interest. This interest will attract more attention, and this attention will produce more interest, and so on. This practice will enable you to cultivate the power of attention. Part 19, Power. Fear is a powerful form of thought. It paralyzes the nerve centers, thus affecting the circulation of the blood. This in turn paralyzes the muscular system, so that fear affects the entire being, body, brain, and nerve, physical, mental, and muscular. The way to overcome fear is to become conscious of power. All things are finally resolvable in the same element, and they are thus translatable. One into another, they must ever be in relation and may never be in opposition to one another. There is a North Pole and a South Pole, an inside and an outside, a seen and unseen, but these expressions merely serve to place extremes in contrast. They are names given to two different parts of one quality. The two extremes are relative. They are not separate entities, but are two parts or aspects of the whole. We speak of mind and matter as two separate entities, but clear insight makes it evident that there is but one operative principle, and that is mind. Mind is real and the internal. Matter is forever changing. We see the giant mountain and are told that the place it now stands was once a lake. And as we stand in awe before the great cliffs in the Yosemite Valley, we can easily trace the path of the glaciers which carried all before them. Mind is static. The ability of the individual to think is his ability to act upon the universal mind and convert it into dynamic mind or mind in motion. If your thought is powerful, constructive and positive, this will be plainly evident in the state of your health, your business and your environment. If your thought is weak, critical, destructive and negative generally, it will manifest in your body as fear, worry and nervousness, in your finance as lack and limitation, and in discordant conditions in your environment. All wealth is the offspring of power. Possessions are of value only as they confer power. Events are significant only as they affect power. All things represent certain forms and degrees of power. Silent thought is the mightiest agent in human affairs. Part 20, The Secret of Life. 
Thought necessarily precedes and predetermines action. Action precedes and predetermines condition. All great things come through recognition. When you begin to perceive that the essence of the universal is within yourself, is you, you begin to do things. You begin to feel your power. It is the fuel which fires the imagination, which lights the torch of inspiration, which gives vitality to thought, which enables you to connect with all the invisible forces of the universe. It is this power which will enable you to plan fearlessly, to execute masterfully. But perception will come only in the silence. This seems to be the condition required for all great purposes. You are a visualizing entity. Imagination is your workshop. It is here that your ideal is to be visualized, as a perfect understanding of the nature of this power is a primary condition for its manifestation. Visualize the entire method over and over again so that you may use it whenever occasion it requires. The infinity of wisdom is to follow the method whereby we may have the inspiration of the omnipotent universal mind on demand at any time. We can live more abundantly every time we breathe, if we consciously breathe with that intention. The if is a very important condition in this case, as the intention governs the attention, and without the attention, you can secure only the results which everyone else secures. That is, a supply equal to demand. Thought is creative vibration and the quality of conditions create will depend upon the quality of our thought. Because we cannot express powers which we do not possess, we must be before we can do, and we can do only to the extent to which we are. And so what we do will necessarily coincide with what we are, and what we are depends upon what we think. Every time you think, you start a train of causation, which will create a condition in strict accordance with the quality of the thought which originated it. Thought which is in harmony with the universal mind will result in corresponding conditions. Thought which is destructive or discordant will produce corresponding results. You may use thought constructively or destructively, but the immutable law will not allow you to plan a thought of one kind and reap the fruit of another. Part 21, think big and visualize. One of the methods of organizing victory is to think big thoughts. The real secret of power is consciousness of power. The universal mind is an unconditional, therefore the more conscious we become of our unity with this mind, the less conscious we shall become of conditions and limitations. Large ideas have a tendency to eliminate all smaller ideas so that it is well to hold ideas large enough to counteract and destroy all small or undesirable tendencies. You also become conscious of a larger world of thought, whereby increasing your mental capacity as well as placing yourself in a position to accomplish something of value. The predominant thought or mental attitude is the magnet, and the law is that like attracts like. Consequently, the mental attitude will inevitably attract such conditions as correspond to its nature. This mental attitude is our personality and is compromised of the thoughts which we have been creating in our own mind. The mental attitude is patterned after the mental pictures which have been photographed on the brain. If you do not like the pictures, destroy the negatives and create new pictures. This is the art of visualization. As soon as you have done this, you will begin to attract new things and the new things will correspond to the new pictures. To do this, impress on the mind a perfect picture of the desire which you wish to have objectified and continue to hold the picture in mind until results are obtained. If the desire is one which requires determination, ability, talent, courage, power or any other spiritual power, these are necessary essentials for your picture. Build them in. They are a vital part of the picture. 
They have feelings which combines with thought and creates irresistible magnetic power which draws the things you require to you. They give your picture life, and life means growth, and as soon as it begins to grow, the result is practically assured. There is no limit to this law can do for you. Dare to believe in your own idea. Remember that nature is plastic to the ideal. Think of the ideal as an already accomplished fact. The real battle of life is one of ideas. It is being fought out by the few against the many. On the one side is the constructive and creative thought. On the other side, the destructive and negative thought. The creative thought is dominated by an ideal. The passive thought is dominated by appearances. On both sides are men of science, men of letters, and men of affairs. On the creative side are men who spend their time in laboratories or over microscopes and telescopes side by side with men who dominate the commercial, political, and scientific world. On the negative side are men who spend their time investigating law and precedent, men who mistake theology for religion, statesmen who mistake might for right, and all the millions who seem to prefer precedent to progress, who are entirely looking backward instead of forward, who see only the world without, but know nothing of the world within. As long as the people regard the cosmic power as a power non-human and alien to humanity, so long will it be comparatively easy for a supposed privileged class to rule by divine right in spite of every protest of social sentiment. The real interest of democracy is therefore to exalt, emancipate and recognize the divinity of the human spirit. To recognize that all power is from within, that no human being has any more power than any other human being, except such as may willingly be delegated to him. The divine mind is the universal mind. It makes no exception. It plays no favorites. It does not act through sheer caprice or form of anger, jealousy, or wrath. Neither can it be flattered, cajoled, or moved by sympathy or petition to supply men with the same need which he thinks necessary for his happiness or even his existence. The divine mind makes no exceptions to favor any individual. But when the individual understands and realizes his unity within the universal principle, he will appear to be favored because he will have found the source of all health, all wealth, and all power. Realize that you are externalizing in your environment your inherent soul potency. Part 22, healing yourself with your thoughts. Thoughts are spiritual seeds, which when planted in the subconscious mind, have a tendency to sprout and grow. But unfortunately, the fruit is frequently not to our liking. The various forms of inflammation, paralysis, nervousness, and disease conditions generally are the manifestation of fear, worry, care, anxiety, jealousy, hatred, and similar thought. The problem then before us in the healing of disease is to increase the inflow and distribution of vital energy throughout the system. And this can only be done by eliminating thoughts of fear, worry, care, anxiety, jealousy, hatred, and every other destructive thought which tend to tear down and destroy the nerves and glands, which control the excretion and elimination of poisonous and waste matter. If there is any physical condition which it is necessary to change, the law governing visualization will be found effective. Make a mental image of the physical perfection. Hold it in the mind until it is absorbed by the consciousness. Many have eliminated chronic ailments in a few weeks by this method, and thousands have overcome and destroyed all manner of ordinary physical disturbance by this method in a few days, sometimes in a few minutes. It is through the law of vibration that the mind exercises its control over the body. We know that every mental action is a vibration, and we know that all form 
is simply a mode of motion, a rate of vibration. Therefore, any given vibration immediately modifies every atom in the body. Every life cell is affected and an entire chemical change is made in every group of life cells. When our thoughts have been uplifted, progressive, constructive, courageous, noble, kind, or in any other way, desirable, we have set in motion vibrations which brought about certain results. When our thoughts have been filled with envy, hatred, jealousy, criticism, or any other thousand and one forms of discord, certain vibrations were set in motion which brought about certain other results of a different nature. And each of these rates of vibrations, if kept up, crystallized in form. In the first case, the result was mental, moral, and physical health. And in the second case, discord, inharmonic, and disease. The objective mind has certain effects on the body which are readily recognized. Someone says something to you which strikes you as ludicrous and you laugh, possibly until your whole body shakes, which shows that thought has control over the muscles of your body. Or someone says something which excites your sympathy and your eyes fill with tears, which shows that thought controls you at the glands of your body. Or someone says something that makes you angry and the blood mounts to your cheek, which shows that thought controls the circulation of your blood. But as these experiences are all the results of the action on your objective mind over the body, the results are a temporary nature. They soon pass away and leave the situation as it was before. Let us see how the action of the subconscious mind over the body differs. You receive a wound, thousands of cells being the work of healing at once. In a few days or weeks, the work is complete. You may even break a bone. No surgeon on earth can weld the parts together. I'm not referring to the insertion of rods or any devices to strengthen or replace bones. He may set the bone for you, and the subjective mind will immediately begin the process of welding the parts together. And in short time, the bone is as solid as it ever was. You may swallow poison, and the subjective mind will immediately discover the danger and make violent effects to eliminate it. You may become infected with a dangerous germ, and the subjective will at once will commence to build a wall around the infected area and destroy the infection by absorbing it in the white blood corpuscles, which it supplies for the purpose. These processes of the subconscious mind usually proceed without our personal knowledge or direction. And so long as we do not interfere, the result is perfect. But as the millions of repair cells are all intelligent and respond to our thought, they are often paralyzed and rendered impotent by our thoughts of fear, doubt, and anxiety. They are like an army of workmen, ready to start an important piece of work, but every time they get started on an undertaking, a strike is called, or plans change, until they finally get discouraged and give up. Every cell in your body is intelligent, and will respond to your direction. The cells are all creators, and will create the exact pattern which you give them. Therefore, when perfect images are placed before the subjective, the creative energies will build a perfect body. Brain cells are constructed in the same way. The quality of the brain is governed by the state of mind or mental attitude, so that if undesirable mental attitudes are conveyed to the subjective, they will in turn be transferred to the body. We can therefore readily see that if we wish the body to manifest health, strength, and vitality, this must be the predominant thought. We know that, that every element of the human body is a result of a rate of vibration. We know that mental action is a rate of vibration. We know that a higher rate of vibration governs, modifies, controls, changes, or destroys a lower rate of vibration. We know that the rate of vibration is governed by the character of the brain cells. And finally, we know how to create these brain cells. Therefore, 
we know how to make any physical change in the body we desire. And having secured a working knowledge of the power of mind to do this extent, we have come to know that there is practically no limitation which can be placed upon our ability to place ourselves in harmony with natural law, which is omnipotent. Mental therapeutics may be directed to the patient himself to calm in the mind in excitement, by arousing feelings of joy, hope, faith, and love, by suggesting motives for exertion, by regular mental work, by diverting the thoughts from the malady. Part 23, The Power of Your Spirit. Money weaves itself into the entire fabric of our very existence. That the law of success is service, that we get what we give, and for this reason, we should consider it a great privilege to be able to give. We have found that thought is the creative activity behind every constructive enterprise. Creative thought requires attention, and the power of attention is, as we have found, the weapon of the superman. Attention develops concentration, and concentration develops spiritual power, and spiritual power is the mightiest force in existence. Perfection in this is not acquired in six days, nor in six weeks, nor in six months. It is the labor of life. Not to go forward is to go backward. It is inevitable that the entertainment of positive, constructive, and unselfish thoughts should have a far-reaching effect for good. Compensation is the keynote of the universe. Nature is constantly seeking to strike an equilibrium. Where something is sent out, something must be received, else there should be a vacuum formed. The money consciousness is an attitude of mind. It is the open door to the arteries of commerce. It is the receptive attitude. We make money by making friends, and we enlarge our circle of friends by making money for them, by helping them, by being of service to them. The first law of success then is service, and this in turn is built on integrity and justice. The man who at least is not fair in his intention is simply ignorant. He has missed the fundamental law of all exchange. The forces of life are volatile. They are composed of our thoughts and ideals, and this in turn a mold into form. Our problem is to keep an open mind, to consistently reach out for the new, to recognize opportunity, to be interested in the race rather than the goal, for the pleasure in the pursuit rather than the possession. If you have the necessary insight to perceive and utilize opportunities and favorable conditions and recognize values, you can put yourself in a position to take advantage of them. But your greatest success will come as you are enabled to assist others. What benefits one must benefit all. A generous thought is filled with strength and vitality. A selfish thought contains the germs of dissolution. It will disintegrate and pass away. If we recognize the omnipotent power that is the source of all the supply, we will adjust our consciousness to this supply in such a way that it will constantly attract all that is necessary to itself, and we shall find that the more we give, the more we get. Morgan, Rockefeller, Carnegie, and others did not get rich because they lost money for other people. On the contrary, it is because they made money for other people, and they become the wealthiest men in the wealthiest country on the globe. The power of attention is called concentration. This power is directed by will. For this reason, we must refuse to concentrate or think of anything except the things we desire. Spirit, whatever else it may or may not be, must be considered as the essence of consciousness, the substance of mind, the reality underlying thought, and as all ideas and phases of activity of consciousness, mind or thought, it follows that in spirit and in it alone, it must be found the ultimate fact, the real thing or idea. Part 24, Truth. In order to express harmony, you must think harmony. In order to express health, you must think health. 
And in order to express abundance, you guessed it, you must think abundance. To do this, you must reverse the evidence of the senses. Every form of disease, sickness, lack, or limitation are simply the result of wrong thinking. You will see how mountains may be removed. If these mountains consist only of doubt, fear, distrust, or any other form of discouragement, they are nonetheless real, and they need not only to be removed, but to be cast into the sea. As all conditions are thought creations and therefore entirely mental, disease and lack are simply mental conditions in which the person fails to perceive the truth. As soon as the error is removed, the condition is removed. Go into the silence and know the truth, as all mind is one mind, and you can do this for yourself or anyone else. If you have learned to form mental images of these conditions desired, this will be the easiest and quickest way to secure results. If not, results can be accomplished by argument, by the process of convincing yourself absolutely of the truth of your statement. Remember, and this is one of the most difficult as well as the most wonderful statements to grasp. Remember that no matter what the difficulty is, no matter where it is, no matter who is affected, you have no patient but yourself. You have nothing to do but to convince yourself of the truth which you desire to see manifested. Every form of concentration, forming mental images, argument and auto-suggestion are simply methods by which you are enabled to realize the truth. If you desire to help someone, to destroy some form of lack, limitation, or error. The correct method is to not think of the person whom you wish to help. The intention to help them is entirely sufficient. And this puts you in a mental touch with the person. Then drive out of your own mind any belief of lack, limitation, disease, danger, difficulty, or whatever the trouble might be. As soon as you've succeeded in doing this, the result will have been accomplished and the person will be free. To train the mind to see the truth only is to express true conditions only. Our ability to do this will be an indication as the progress we are making. The absolute truth is that the I is perfect and complete. The real I is spiritual and can therefore never be less than perfect. It can never have any lack, limitation or disease. Our ability to recognize this unity which is the cause of all inspiration, all genius. Your life and your actions and your influence in the world will depend upon the degree of truth which you are enabled to perceive. For truth will not manifest in creeds, but in conduct. Truth manifests in character, and the character of a man to him is truth, and this will in turn be evidenced in the character of his possession. If a man complains of the drift of his fortunes, he is just as unjust to himself as if he should deny rational truth, though it stands patient and irrefutable. Our environment and the innumerable circumstances and accidents of our lives already exist in the subconscious personality, which attracts to itself the mental and physical material, which is congenial to its nature. Thus our future being determined from our present, and if there should be apparent injustice in any features or phase of our personal life, we must look within for the cause, try to discover the mental fact which is responsible for the outward manifestation. If you see only the incomplete, the imperfect, the relative, the limited, these conditions will manifest in your life. But if you train your mind to see and realize the spiritual ego, the I which is forever perfect and complete, harmonious, wholesome, and helpful, conditions will only be manifested. As thought is creative, and the truth is the highest and most perfect thought which anyone can think, it is self-evident that to think the truth is to create that which is true, and it is again evident 
that when truth comes into being, that which is false must cease to be. The minute the spirit leaves the body, we are as nothing. Therefore, spirit is really all there is of us. Now, the only activity which the spirit possession is the power to think. Therefore, thought must be creative because spirit is creative. This creative power is impersonal and your ability to think is your ability to control it and make use of it for the benefit of yourself and others. When the truth of this statement is realized, understood and appreciated, you will have come into possession of the master key. But remember that only those who are wise enough to understand, broad enough to weigh the evidence, firm enough to follow their own judgment and strong enough to make the sacrifice enacted may enter and partake. This week, try to realize that this is a truly wonderful world in which we live, that we are a wonderful being, that many are awakening to a knowledge of the truth, and as fast as they awake and come into a knowledge of the things which have been prepared for them, they too realize that I hath not seen, nor e heard, either hath in entered into the heart of man, the splendors which exist for those who find themselves in the promised land. They have crossed the river of judgment and have arrived at the point of discrimination between the true and the false, and have found that they ever willed or dreamed was but a faint concept of a dazzling reality. What is meant by thinking? Clear, decisive, calm, deliberate, sustained thought with a definite end in view. What will be the result? You will also be able to say, It is not I that does the work, but the Father that dwelt within me. He does thy works. You will come to know, that the Father is a universal mind, and that He really and truly dwell within you. And that's a wrap on the Master Key book summary. But before you go away, a couple of little things. If you want to support Best Book Bits, smash that like button, share this video, click the notification bell, subscribe if you haven't already subscribed, and share with friends on social media. Now, a couple of ways you can support Best Book Bits growth and continuation with the book summaries. We've done over 600 so far. You can purchase our new book, Success in 50 Steps, which we spent 13 years rewriting six or seven times and have researched over 500 books. You can also hire me for coaching and mentoring by clicking the link below. We've also done the best 150 best book bit summaries over the years in one massive PDF, two and a half thousand pages. Click the link below to download now. Also, we've got a course, 28 Steps to Making 2021 Your Best Year Ever. So if you want that, jump on it right now. A few other ways, check out our website, bestbookbits.com. Follow us on Instagram. Hit me up. I'm up for a chat. DM me. Tell me if there's a book you want me to do a summary on. Check us out on Spotify. All our summaries get uploaded first on Spotify, then YouTube second. Follow us on Facebook. We've also got a book club there on Facebook. And you can join our email marketing list where you'll be updated with the latest book summaries via email. And if you want, we are also on Patreon where we do take donations because this is the world's largest free book summary website. Thanks for watching and listening. Hope you got something from this long summary, The Master Key by Charles Hannell. Have a great day. Take care. Go out there. Live your best life.